will well well welcome to the Purple Star Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Arbit and Matt from Dinosaur Blackula. Hey, Matt, we're at a unique time in the year. Are we? Yeah, it's about the halfway point to Halloween. Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Actually, for us, it's like three-fourths of the way there because we start in, like, July. That is true. For, for the normal people who aren't Halloween freaks, you know, it's about halfway to Halloween. And it's funny, you and I have been talking about doing something to commemorate the halfway point to Halloween on the Purple Stuff podcast. But, we, you know, we weren't 100% sure, and then we started seeing it all over the place. I didn't realize it was such a thing. You know, I've seen the memes going around. Oh, I've seen the memes, baby. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a big deal. It's almost like people are celebrating Halloween in the middle of the year already. Well, I mean, it's like we've always been saying. The rest of the year, you just kind of survive, and it's so fucking filled with doldrums and bullshit. Yeah. So if you could pretend it's Halloween for one day in May, go for it. Yeah, I don't mind it being like just the short little celebration, but it's that weather that I need. Although we have been kind of experiencing some dreary, dark, rainy weather as we've been driving to stores Yep. to pick up all this cool shit that's been coming out. All this cool Halloween-related shit in its own little way. Totally. We, we've had Ghostbusters toys coming out. Oh, God, so know? many. So many great Ghostbusters toys. I can't... Ugh, I'm, like, afraid to go to Toys R Us because I know I'm going to spend $200. Yeah, I could have easily spent $200. I... I kind of held back a little bit <laughs> yeah i saw um, your instagram your idea of holding back is buying every <laughs> figure except one in a 20 figure line oh now i gotta tighten those purse strings <laughs> stuff is so cool the packaging is awesome and of course you found the ghostbusters marshmallows yeah you you cleared out the entire section and there's like 40 bags and you bought the whole box and you left me one. I did. It was like a little scavenger hunt because we didn't go on the same day. I send you a message after it's like, hey, you want some Ghostbusters marshmallows? Top of aisle seven at Big Lots. I got a tip for you. No, yeah. you didn't You didn't even tell me it was at the top of aisle I seven. did. It's just that no. I didn't. Well, here's the thing. I sent you a message saying, look, I left you a bag. If you want one, you can go to Big Lots. Right. And then 15 minutes later, it was literally 15 minutes. You could check your DMs. I specified where it was. In that small amount of time, you were out the fucking door and off at Big Lots. I didn't expect you to, like, drop everything and run there that second. Well, I was at Toys R Us buying the Ghostbusters toys at the time. Ah, there you go. You had a big GB day. Yeah. So, Ghostbusters stuff and one of the best Halloween beverages out there made its return. Mountain Dew Pitch Black. Oh. It's so, so good to have it back. It's, yeah. You are the biggest Pitch Black fan that I know. It's really got to mean something to you. I know we, we've we gotten everything back. We've gotten Ecto Coolers coming back. Everything. But yeah, Pitch it's Black like, it's like the deal. year of drinks for me. I, I'm, I'm just drowning in great drinks. 
Yeah, like all the Kool-Aid guys came back. and All, all the, the Kool-Aid guys, Crystal you know? Pepsi, yeah. Pitch Black, <laughs> Ecto Cooler, Surge Cola. What the yeah. fuck's next? <laughs> There's Orbits. It's got to be Orbits. <laughs> yeah, Orbits is your favorite with the little specks rolling around inside of it, right? Right. Now, to clarify, the um, the Pitch Black was already back at what was Speedway. It? Speedway, right. Yeah. But now it's back everywhere in the regular bottles and even in cans. Oh, yeah. We're in Halloween heaven. I do have to say the really cool gimmick that they've been doing is like a vote for Baja Blast and uh, Pitch Black to see which one's going to I don't stay. like this because the other one, the Blast, has so much more of a following, I feel, thanks to its Taco Bell thing. Yeah, but it's already been out for a while. You know? well, that's what I'm it, saying. Like, why are we voting? I thought this shit was out permanently already. Well, I don't want to vote. I don't want to vote either, but what I was going to say is that they're packaging these cans. It's like a 24-pack of cans, and half are Baja Blast, and half is Pitch Black, which I thought is really oh, wow, cool. wow, they are? Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's cool. Those are easily my two favorite flavors. Those two have the coolest names. Totally. And we're at a great time. We've got so much cool stuff to look forward to. And, and I mean, we didn't even get the like the Twinkies or the Ecto Cooler. That's still down the line. Yeah, so. it's good. I mean, well, it's down the line, but it's not very far. It's probably by the end of this month. Yeah, so <sighs> exciting. What a what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my horse impression. <laughs> Your sedated horse. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight... Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 26. We're going to put our contribution in and do our little halfway to Halloween show. Let's talk about things that aren't your average scares. Love it. Things that aren't necessarily intended to be super scary, but they creep you out regardless. Right. Either things that were not meant to be scary or were only meant to be a little scary, but way overperformed. Exactly. Yeah. And some of the things are things that you would never think of, but you know that they unnerve you in some way. Right. I think a lot of people are going to agree with our choices tonight. I think so, and we've got a great lineup. Mm-hmm. Am I going first again? Oh, well, being that you volunteered, yes, go for it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Not your average scares. Number one. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Even now, the tests for the emergency broadcast system scare the living fuck out of me. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Me too. Ugh, I mean, I'm a night owl and I've always been a night owl. So whenever I'm able to, I'll stay up until like 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. But I'll still be in like that, you know, semi-comatose mode. Mm -hmm. So say I'm in bed, I'm on the couch, whatever, and I'm watching like sitcom reruns. For argument's sake, let's say it's Coach with Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> I'm like half asleep, I'm not really paying attention, commercials come on, and then it happens. This is a test! <laughs> a test of the emergency broadcast Of the emergency broadcast system. <laughs> like, I barely have a chance to ready myself before that hideously long alarm starts to play. Yeah. And it's, like, way louder than than whatever was on television before it. Yep. I, I, there's supposed to be those decibel rules with broadcasters in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not supposed to go from, like, uh, you know, 0.6 on the meter to 2.8. <laughs> yeah, but it, it always comes at the most inopportune times, too. Well, it's, like, it's 2.27 in the morning. But, I mean, you're you're watching the episode of Coach, and it's, like, you want to see what's going to happen. Right. You know, what is Dauber going to do next? Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm all invested. You know, what kind of pratfall will Domber have? And then next thing I know, <laughs> when that alarm played, it always seemed like it opened a portal to hell. And for as long as it was going, demons were quietly spilling into your bedroom. <laughs> Oh man! See, to me, like either way, you were screwed with this thing. It was like it could be the middle of the day, like when I was a kid watching Woody Woodpecker, and out of nowhere, we interrupt this program of for a test of our emergency broadcast system. Yeah, this is all, they they reiterated this is only a test in the event of a real emergency, and then you know they go on. But for me, hearing that part is what opened the door, you know, of my imagination. Right, because it's like you're wondering what possible emergency would they need this incredibly obtrusive messaging system for? Right. What is going to happen to this planet? Yeah, Aliens? So, exactly. That's what I was saying the whole time. My mind is like, oh, my God, World War Three is breaking out down the corner. Yeah. And so I would look outside, you know, but our... Like growing up in our generation, it was like a unique time because we didn't have to do drills in school where we sat under the desks and whatnot. Right, right, right. It was, it was a utopia. <laughs> yeah. Aside from these fucking messages yeah. from the emergency broadcast system. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know how it works with this shit? Once you broke the seal, everything was ruined. Yeah. It didn't matter that coach was going to come back on in a minute. No matter how cheerful Craig T. Nelson was, all you'd be able to think about was like the fucking boogeyman in the, in the closet. <laughs> oh, I hate the emergency broadcast system. When I used to work in radio, I used to have to put them on in the middle of the night. Oh, like really? Yeah, like 3 a.m. I'd have to play the EAS test. And that's when you knew that was a real measure of is it really as creepy as it seems? Yeah. When you're the only guy in a radio station and it's pitch dark outside and you're playing that thing. <laughs> right. It's like you're saying like, Candyman in the mirror three times. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting there formulating all kinds of insane worst case scenarios. Yeah, and it's all dark and smoky because, of course, you're a DJ and all DJs <laughs> are sitting in dark, smoky rooms. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely means aliens to me every single time. Yeah, I could totally see it. I mean, I... I don't know if I thought alien specifically, but I definitely thought something of like the completely human annihilating variety. Mm. Like it wasn't just like, oh, hey, uh, you know, snowstorms on the way, yeah. which is what it's really meant for, I think. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's to tell you, oh, shit, there's floods. You better, you know, yeah. get up on dry land somewhere. It's like <laughs> we're thinking, oh, shit, the world's going to fucking, it's doomed. They know something. Yeah. There's an A-bomb coming yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> this concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Number two. Three typical average kids inside a haunted mansion. Just by chance, free to ghost to make them beetle boards. Big bad beetle boards. Big bad beetle The first thing I would consider not your average scare would be Flabber. Do you know who Flabber is, Matt? Ah, oh, part ghost, part Elvis, part Jay Leno. Yes, and you're familiar with him because I've had this kind of fixation with Flabber from the Big Bad Beetleborgs for a while now, and uh -huh. I, I think it was last year, the year before, at the flea market, I picked up like a Flabber doll and Flabber action figure, and I just have this weird kind of thing for You're him. drawn to Flabber, and it's actually kind of upsetting. Like, <laughs> I've been to flea markets with you probably a hundred times, literally a hundred times. I've seen you jump for something twice, and both times the item was flabber related. 
So Flapper, the reason why I felt that he should be included on this list is because could you imagine if he wasn't always smiling and goofing around and acting like he's some Ronald McDonald character, yeah. you know? I mean, so like you said, he, he's a mixture of like an Elvis, a Jay Leno. He's got a little bit of Liberace, and I've spoke about him on the Purple Stuff. <laughs> We've all got a little bit of Liberace. <laughs> but he is really like this over-the-top creepy character. He's got like a blue face and a giant pompadour, and his chin is enormous. And his fucking clothes look like curtains from the Trump Taj Mahal. <laughs> in the, yeah, in the early 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, he's one of the good guys. So you wouldn't think at first that he would be creepy at all, but he's quite possibly like the freakiest phantasm ever. Yes. Uh, the fact that this Beetleborg show was, you know, years after I was a target audience makes it more amazing to me that it actually had an impact on me because I would go to the video store and I would see like a Beetleborgs tape and I'd see his face, you know, smiling at me I'd be like, dude, that guy. And I just have to go over and look at the box. I really think that you must have had some horrible experience with somebody who looked like him as a child. Because <laughs> it's like, it's wild. You're not, a, you're not a very excitable guy. Like You have your, your geek interests and your passions, but you're pretty quiet about them. Yeah. Flabber, you just like, it's just like, it comes out of you. Well, you might remember, I mean, this does tie back to something that everybody heard on a previous episode, is that I brought up my Ouija board session one time where my friend and I tried to contact Elvis. Right. We're trying to contact Elvis, and I feel like Flabber is pretty close to what we what we would have witnessed if Elvis right. materialized in my old dining room. Yeah, you know? when the uh, little $20 Costco chandelier was shaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that story. And that's you're totally right. Maybe that's what it is. Like you're yeah. satiating an, an untapped lust for an Elvis ghost. <laughs> yeah, an Elvis, like a really over-the-top Jim Carrey-ish Elvis ghost. Right. If you don't mind, can we conjure him up right now? We absolutely can. Let's do it. All right, how do we do it? Here, just press this button. <laughs> Number three. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. They may not be pretty, but boy, they make great friends. Starring Anthony Newley and Mackenzie Aston. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. It's the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh, man. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Like, again, this is one of those things where, yeah, you could argue that it was meant to be scary, but I would say it turned out to be a hundred times scarier than they could have possibly intended. <laughs> it was like a bad acid trip. Oh, the worst acid trip. Just the worst. <laughs> like, your life is over while that movie's on. <laughs> so, I mean, I was a big collector of the stickers, but by the time the movie came out, which was in 87, I think, yeah. the fat had already sort of peaked. Right. And in my elementary school, Garbage Pail Kids were already, like, thought of as bad luck. And, like, my friends had trashed most of their collections. Yeah, they were passe after, like, the first round of cards came out. Well, I mean, they were passe by that point for sure, but they were also considered just, like, bad voodoo. Really? Yeah, at least in my school it was. Like, they were really considered bad luck and bad things to have. Mm. So I, like, 
used to like scratch the stickers off my bedroom wall. Like as if Adam Bomb and Messy Tessie were going to make an anvil fall on my head or something. So you went through a, a bout of GPK regret. Right. It was yeah. because it was like that was the thing to do. But the, the thing was that back then it was such a big deal when a kid's brand became a movie. I was going to see it anyway. Mm hmm. So my mother took me on some long ago afternoon. It was a reward for waiting five hours for a two minute doctor's appointment or something. <laughs> and uh, asking to go see the Garbageville Kids movie was like the biggest mistake I have ever made. Why is that? Because it's just so gross and crude and disgusting and horrible. <laughs> It is. I don't think I would have uh, expected my mother to see that with me. No. Um, I mean, in live action, those characters, they were so disturbing. Oh, like, my God. Like just I total know. nightmares from, like, the worst brutal horror movie. Yeah, totally. Even beyond the characters, like, the film and the plot and just the production value, it's all so dark and dismal that it's just the most depressing experience to be in the presence of this movie. Yeah, it's weird because you think about it and you're like, okay, so then what if one of these characters knocked at your door when you were a kid and said, hey, you want to come out and play? Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, uh, I just like run upstairs and start stabbing myself, like yeah. anything to get away from them. <laughs> and it's like they put Mackenzie Aston in there because he's, he was like an all-American boy. For, you know? Right. He was on like, Facts of Life. He yeah. was, uh, you know, he yeah, was a rising star. And yeah. if there's one way to halt that kind of action, it's to appear in the Garfield Kids movie. <laughs> yeah, they really, it was a real juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. So, like, within five minutes of the title screen, I wanted out of the theater. Yeah. And I think I ended up lasting around 15 minutes. The thing that broke my back was this one garbage pill kid who looked like an alligator. Oh, yeah. He's um, just like randomly, I think his name is Alligator. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he's just randomly munching severed fingers. <laughs> like, and it's not even like a plot point. He's just doing it. <laughs> like he's in the background just chewing fingers, human fingers. And I'm like, that's motherfucking it. Get me the fuck out of here. And I know this will be hard to believe, but my mother was not at all adverse to missing the ending to the Garrisville Kids movie. <laughs> I thought Foul Phil was the worst. He reminded me of like something from Basket Case or something. Oh God, is he the like? Was he the pimply boy? He was like, no, he was like the baby sort of. Oh yeah, <laughs> the bad oh, breath. Oh God, this. I mean, oh. like one of them. What's her name? Valerie Vomit. Mm. Like the one who threw up. Yeah. So she's in the movie and she's teasing vomiting the whole way through. And it's like a big moment at the end of the film when she finally uses her vomit to save the day. Like, this is what you're dealing with. <laughs> oh, it is. It is just so bizarre. And then the, the point where they start to sing, you know, they're singing and you're like, this is destined to become like a late night movie like Rocky Horror, but it never did. <laughs> no, because it's you're exactly right because it has basically every ingredient of a cult movie. Yeah, it but does. it's but watching it is so unbelievably soul sucking <laughs> that no one's going to commit to that. Like we know a lot of contrarians. Yeah, we're surrounded by them every day. Yep, and not one of these people has said, "I'm going to get uh, some uh, theater to show Garfield his movie at midnight." Yeah, we're going to start a new tradition. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's not in is a fucking dick. I, I have to say, like, it would be so cool, like, if people started doing that. But, like, I don't really even want to watch it, so. <laughs> no, it's horrible. They are very creepy. And even creepier 
is the one girl who looks like a glow wrestler who opens up a manhole cover with her fingertips as if it was made like a foam rubber. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Everything about that movie is just wrong. Yeah, it's just like a bad hallucination. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can we go to your next thing? Okay, here we go. Number four. My next entry is Laura Branigan's self-control video. Now, Laura Branigan was a singer in the 80s who had a big hit with the song called Gloria dun, 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 dun. from Flashdance in around 1983. Uh, but soon after that, she had a song called Self-Control. Great song. Yeah, it was a great song, kind of haunting in itself. But the video caused a lot of controversy on MTV because it was kind of um, explicit for the time. Uh, now, if you watch it, it's you know nothing envelope pushing or anything. Right, but at the same time, it is sort of uh, essentially an orgy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the song is pretty haunting. It's like a synth pop dance type song. You know, right. it's the kind of song that just makes you feel fancy when you listen to it. I actually sometimes listen to it during like my Halloween playlist because it kind of has that vibe to it. You know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the video was unintentionally creepy and. Uh, William Friedkin, the Exorcist director, he directed this music oh, video. God, I didn't know that he directed that. Yeah, but yeah. now it's like it totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like right off the bat, the video opens up with this creepy doll. So Laura Brannigan is the star of this video, obviously. And right. she's she's kind of um, uh, hanging out in her bedroom, wondering what to do. Then she goes out for a night on the town. And this guy rolls up and he's peering out the window in his car. And he's got this white mask on, oh, he's so hat, and a black, black cloak and everything. Yeah. And he looks at her and it, the whole video becomes eyes wide shut. Yes, I was going to say, I have it in my notes. Like the whole video feels like eyes wide shut mixed with Dream Warriors. Yes. It's insane. Like, like it's so obviously that movie, right? Yeah. But it, it's, it's just impossible for me to formulate the words here to describe how much I love this video. So yeah, there's people gyrating on each other and they're in masks. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of underworld sex orgies, like you said. Right. You know, she's kind of playing off like she doesn't want any of this. But then uh, one thing leads to another. They all show up at her apartment and you assume that they get it on. Well, they're sort of pantomiming getting it on, aren't they? Yeah. And he takes his gear off and he leaves his white mask on. And it's, oh. it's the weirdest thing. He looks like <laughs> Michael Myers in Darkman. Man. <laughs> Oh, God. Mixed with, like, Phantom of the Opera or yeah. something. Yeah. I'll read a really quick part from uh, Wikipedia. Mm. The masked man lowers Brannigan to her couch as she surrenders herself to him. The masked man standing over Brannigan, now lying unconscious on the floor, turns and walks toward the bedroom window, fading away in the morning light. Brannigan, consumed by guilt, gets up and turns out the light. The final scene shows Brannigan lying awake in bed when her lover turns to face her, his face hidden behind a familiar white mask. <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds like a bad, like, you know, romance novel. Like, yeah. Like, it's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like, I watched the video three times today, and I can't follow it. <laughs> like, 
what are they going for? It's just abstract sexual gyrating, basically, and a guy in a mask. Like, there's no symbolism. It's just exactly what I described it as. And apparently they had to edit down the video and, like, Brannigan had to, she had to approve uh, the edits because they said it was way too explicit to show on MTV. So I'd love to see the unedited versions. It's gotta, it's gotta be floating around there somewhere. Yeah. Number five. Most people couldn't live like this. You could learn a lot from a dummy. Buckle your safety belt. When we think about the Crash Dummies now, we tend to remember them from their later years when they were legit pop culture icons with their own video games and toys and cartoons and all that. Yeah. I actually won a plush doll of the Crash Test Dummies by throwing darts at balloons on the Wildwood Boardwalk. Isn't that how you won Lou Albano? That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, was, I was busy. But like, they awesome. were big time and they were like kid friendly and everyone loved them. Yeah. So while we're all intellectually aware that they started off in those like legit public service announcements, I don't think everyone remembers just how creepy those TV spots were at first. Yeah, before they became the, like you said, pop culture kind of like mascots. Right. Yeah. They were originally there to keep you from killing yourself by not wearing your seatbelt. They were like instilling fear into your heart. Right. So like they might have acted jokey, but in the end, they always got torn the fuck up, just yeah. completely brutalized, their arms ripped off, their heads hanging on by threads. Yeah. And they're trying to dull the impact by making jokes, but we have eyes. We can see this. <laughs> it looked like the, uh, the closing scene from Death Becomes Her. <laughs> and then the worst part was that closing voiceover guy oh my god like they dragged out the same dude who did the trailers for the devil's reign in the 1970s <laughs> you could learn a lot from a dummy buckle your safety, safety belt <laughs> like i know yeah. some people listening are gonna think that this doesn't sound very scary you know i'm pushing it but when you're a little kid and something edgy comes on television you might get through that moment but it's gonna repaint your whole day the lights are going to seem dimmer. The abstract noises are going to seem louder. And you don't want that shit when you're just watching cartoons. Especially the early ones. Like the first year that they did those, I think it was like 85 or 86. They were really creepy. Like you said, you know, after the emergency broadcast signal goes on and then this comes on. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck you know? my fucking Christ. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and they're like, they're trying to be these fun time guys. And they're like exercising with the seatbelts and making jokes. Right, which only makes the whole thing more unsettling. Yeah. Because it's like, guys, you're you're dying here. Yeah, the, yeah, they're, they're making jokes and stuff. And then, bam, they get face planted into the wall, you it, know? It was no time for levity. <laughs> yeah. And like, like you said, it just came out in the mid-80s, I think it started. And that was the era when the anti-drug commercials were the scariest fucking things on television. God. So there was a definite slant in public service announcements at that time to just fucking kill kids with horrible images. Yeah, PSAs were a lot different back then. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you look at some of these commercials, one of the crash test dummies, like, got ran over by a steamroller one time. Right. You know? I mean, and like, you... the gore was on the level of, like, the first Robocop movie. It just, they got away with it because they're fucking mannequins. There were some crazy ones, too, not just, like, unsettling or, like, totally scary, but there was times when you thought these guys were you know, literally insane, and they should be locked up in an asylum, even though they were, like, robots. Right, know? right, totally. It's like, the jokes didn't always land for us. We didn't quite <laughs> get the reference. Yeah. So, like, they'd be just 
speaking gibberish. Yeah, they're complaining, I don't want to wear a seatbelt, and then next second they're decapitated. Yeah, like they're making jokes about punching their time card, and I'm like, I don't know what a fuck a time card is. What drugs are you two crash test dummies on? No wonder you're crashing. <laughs> yeah, they're way, way ahead of their time, those commercials. Good pick. Thank you. Number six. This next one is maybe a little offbeat. I don't know if you're going to be with me on this one, but you know, I'll pitch it to you and see what, <laughs> see <laughs> yeah. how it goes. <laughs> so, one thing that always fascinated me was libraries. Shh. And <laughs> in a strange, scary way, I was always enamored by libraries. And there's reasons for that. Most prominently, the decor and the architecture. So th those two instances of the libraries around here uh, were always very outdated, like from the 60s. Right. They, had, they hadn't been updated. You know, the furniture, the carpet, the smell, everything was from the 60s. Right, know? right. It had that so it sort of carried the air of like a, a just like a mental asylum. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah, like a mental asylum or like a fallout shelter. <laughs> right. But, you know, even though I thought that was awesome that it was like from another era and it's never really been updated, it was also a bit like creepy, almost like that movie Blast from the Past where like nothing has changed in 30 years. Right. You know, so there's something about that. It's like kind of fun in a way, but it's also kind of like really bizarre. Well, I think it so, was the same like concept as like going to your grandparents' house when you were a kid. It's like when things have been left unchanged for so long, yeah. they just feel like hubs for ghost activity. Exactly. Yeah. So normally I walk to the library in my town and I situate myself all the way in the back. They had these two, like almost like these like suede chaise lounge uh, lounges. Like a know? Roman eating chair. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what they're called officially. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never heard that, but okay. I just made it up. <laughs> Roman eating chair. Yeah. Okay. Rat. So yeah, I'd find some creepy books. Like I'd get Miss Nelson is Missing, Where the Wild Things Are, Polar Express, and all these like young kids books that almost were like Twilight Zone stories to right, me. Right, right. You know, so I'd grab all those orange monster books that, do you remember those? Those Crestwood monster books. There were these orange books that they, they had all kinds of monsters like Frankenstein and Godzilla and whatnot. Okay. So I'd get all those and I'd sit there and they had these windows that overlooked right behind the library, right? Which And it overlooked the forest, which all the kids from the neighborhood used to call Jason's Woods. Oh, boy. Yeah. So And this is where I'd run into the older kids sometimes. So one time I was there, two girls working on a report came over to me and started talking to me and telling me all about the murders that happened in those woods back there. Oh, God. Yeah. So and this is the stuff that sticks with you because I used to ride my bike through the, that trail in those woods all the time. Right. It, like knowing that it was called Jason's Woods when I was five or six years old. I mean, that was insane. So you'd be in it, this like retro library reading scary stories. And yeah. You would have to go into like Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yes. Exactly. His, his humble abode. It was horrible, yeah. And you, and when you're in there, you felt blocked off from the rest of society. It was almost like you were, you were literally, you stepped in another dimension, you know. Right. Well, there's something about libraries that kind of feel like prison in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like I love them, and I'll always go to a library. But when you're in there, 
you feel like you're playing under someone else's rules, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get out of line in a library. <laughs> you mentioned that yours had that retro decor. I don't know that mine did, but it was still creepy because you had that odd quiet and that stink of sour milk. And that guy who was, like, pretending to look through books, even though you know he's not really there to look through books. <laughs> it's like the pitch-perfect picture of ordered chaos. <laughs> it is, yeah, because they had the Dewey Decimal System, so it was definitely in order. <laughs> Hi! Do you know what scares me? People who don't use their local library. Actually, it's a great place for everything. From watching videos and listening to music to using a computer, even literacy training and family reading groups. And of course, it's still the place to find all the books you could ever want. So check out your local library. Who knows? We might just run into each other. Number seven. All right, next. And what might your name be? Alexander. Mm, so you can talk. Yes, sir. I want to go home to my mama. Take him back. He can still talk. Please, please. Oh, I don't want to be a joke. Let me out of here. Quiet. You boys have had your fun. Now pay for it. So we could have done a whole show on scary Disney movie moments. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of them. And they're not even just in the movies that Disney intended to be scary. Mm -hmm. Like, they're in every old Disney movie. There's something in there that's going to make you shit. Yes. <laughs> and it was super hard for me to settle on just one, but I think I got to go with the Pleasure Island scene from Pinocchio. Yeah, you had to remind me of that, and oh my god. You're right, right. right. Yeah. And in case anyone else needs a reminder, let me set it up. Pinocchio falls in league with a bunch of juvenile delinquents, mm -hmm. and they end up having this big party on Pleasure Island, where they're free to smoke and drink and just generally act like big major assholes. <laughs> But there's a price. It turns out that all the shit they're drinking and smoking turns them into literal jackasses. <laughs> and the people who are, like, hosting them reveal themselves to be slave traders who are going to send the donkeys to go work in salt mines. <laughs> yeah, well, like, when did they think this was okay to put in, like, a movie marketed oh, to three-year-olds? Oh, I mean, and keep in mind, like, I'm seeing this in the 80s. This movie came out in 1940. Yeah. When the world was, I would think, I would hope a little bit kinder. Yeah. It's fucking horrifying. It, is, it, was, it, was, it was horrifying. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously Pinocchio manages to escape, but the other boys don't. Yeah, his, his buddy Lampwick. Yeah, like, and, and just yeah. And those random other donkey boys. The implication is that they still know that they're boys, even though they're physically donkeys. Yeah. It's like a total fate worse than death. When his friend realizes that he's transforming into one, he started freaking the fuck out. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, but like that, he was having like a situation, like he needed to have an intervention or something. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> it was like, it was almost like a seizure almost. Yeah. <laughs> Mama. That is disturbing and definitely scarring if you saw that not even to mention like you said there's so many scary scenes like you know you talk about other disney movies and there's fantasia with night on bald mountain and chernabog and all that stuff but when you're looking at pinocchio i mean that is scary in itself then you get to the whale and i mean the whale is another oh one god it's just the thing is though this is more i would say it's more like it's like more of a mind fuck than the rest of them you know right i mean 
I can't believe the intensity of some of these old children's movies. And it's totally metaphorical because they're saying, you know, you could sit there and drink and smoke and you're going to turn into a jackass. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying it wasn't smart humor, but it was still fucking frightening. And like I used to avoid Pinocchio entirely because of that scene. And even today, like I watched it just to brush up before we started recording. And I can't believe how much grief I have over background characters from a 1940 cartoon. It's like, so if you're out there, Alexander the donkey, just know that somebody still cares. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. Well, madam, after all these years, here we are finally working together. I can't tell you how excited I am. Oh, B, darling, you must try. Oh, I mean it. I really do. And I must say, I have never seen you looking better. Well, thank you very much. You know, I've always said beauty is only skin deep, but ugly is all the way to the bone. <laughs> What some may remember as merely a funny comedian and puppet act was my absolute nightmare fuel, Matt. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm talking about Waylon Flowers and Madam. Now, a lot of people probably aren't familiar with this uh, ventriloquist act, but he's basically, you know, your traditional guy with a puppet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she, it's a sort of um, a vampy old broad. It's the best way I could describe it. You know? I, well, the yeah, the best way and the nicest and the, the cleanest because yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you're going to get into the specifics here. Yeah. So, <laughs> Madam would show up on late night talk shows and she'd pop out abruptly from around the corner. If there was an ad that was running in the afternoon for one of the late night TV appearances, I'd see that for like a split second right. of her ultra scary face that was chiseled out of wood oh, or whatever. You know? God, she was a freaky puppet. I mean, all puppets are freaky, but... You know, their big nose oh, and well, the extravagant costumes and flailing her arms around like she was one of my relatives at the uh, time. Yeah, the she's, during... the, she's the aunt that you really, really try hard not to say hello to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. And she was obviously not supposed to be scary in any way, but oh my God, I... I just had this burned into my my memory yeah well i mean like I, i'm with you she wasn't supposed to be scary but what could be scarier than a two-foot wood woman with a permanent o face <laughs> oh but as i got older i realized that the content of what they were doing was actually really funny i was too young to understand but as i got older i totally got it yeah the creepiness started to go away you know, because I definitely, I have an affinity for, like, ventriloquism and puppets and dummies. I love all that stuff. It's amazing to me. Uh, but it, when you're sleeping and you, and you wake up and you see, like, an ad on TV for that, it's like, oh, God, that is not what you want to see. And oh. the next next thing you know, you know, if you're walking upstairs to go to bed and, you know, Madam is staring and she's sitting on your bed staring at you with a kitchen knife. Oh, <laughs> That might be one of the most terrifying things imaginable, you know? Like, yeah. Forget, forget the Blair Witch. Like, no, you can go on YouTube and you can look up, like, you know, these funny clips of her singing with B. Arthur and all yeah. these other things. Yeah. But if you turn the volume off and you really look at that puppet, yeah, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah, hit, hit pause. Yeah. And not traditionally scary, but the potential of her turning into the scariest thing you could ever imagine. Right, and that bitch could turn on a dime. That was like yeah. the poltergeist clown. Yes, she was on the cusp of evil at yeah. all times. Yeah. Just the deadest eyes. Like, if there was ever a time to hit Michaels for a pack of those oversized googly eyes, <laughs> Madam was it. 
Runner up here was Lady Elaine Fairchild from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You know, I actually, when I was looking at Madam, I confused her with her because they feel like sisters. They do. I think they're related. And I hated that puppet from Mr. Rogers. Madam was one thing, but we saw the one from Rogers all the time. Yeah. And she was always so mean and snarky and ugly and red. I mean, she looked like a fucking monster cherry. Yeah, who had a taste for the whiskey? Yeah, she totally did. It was like a <laughs> Cloris Leachman puppet. Hey, puppets are scary. That's it. Yeah, That's the way. Bottom line. The, I think the only one who got a pass was Joey's from Full House. <laughs> yeah. Like all of the puppets, fuck you. Oh, and Rocco. Like we <laughs> no, mentioned well, the last Rocco, show. I, you know, you're all, you're ready to defend Rocco. I'm not on that train. He's all yours. You're not on that motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> what a rush. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> did you just spill coffee on i just spit them all oh. over the 200 dollars shoes i had to buy for that fucking wedding the other day oh man yep wah, wah. okay you're up next man <laughs> uh. number nine So for the record, I don't like it when my phone rings in general because it's just never good news. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, I'm like, my friends don't call me. If my phone rings, it means that somebody died or I owe somebody a shitload of money. (laughs) It's like, I can't remember the last time I took a phone call I actually wanted to get. Yeah. So just hearing my cell phone ringing, like that's cause enough for panic. Mm -hmm. But it's so much worse when I look down at that fucking phone and I see that it's from an unknown caller. Oh, God. That's when my heart skips a beat. Yeah, when we were talking about with the emergency broadcast system, how, you know, your mind would get carried away and you start thinking about aliens. Mm-hmm. Tell me, like, what do you think when you see unknown caller on your phone? Oh, uh, I perspire. I start to get anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's like, who could possibly be calling? Clearly the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> And meanwhile, you know, it's just some automated message from a company that wants to redo your car's upholstery. <laughs> but no fucking way you're picking that up. But I mean, and this is also like, you know, you got to remember, we've lived through what's your favorite scary movie, that whole thing. Right, like, right. No idea what's going to happen. Not that that would actually happen in real life, but I mean, it could be anybody. I'll never pick them up. Yeah. I just let the phone sit there and I just let it ring. And sometimes it seems to ring way longer than my phone should let it. Yeah. It's like, what? Don't I have a, you know, answering machine thing going? It's like <laughs> ringing 50 times. Answering machine. <laughs> sometimes it rings, and sometimes like the person will call two or three times in a row. Yeah, I'm like, what could? Who don't I know that could need me so desperately? Yeah, they're usually like these robot calls. But when we, I grew up at least, I had, I still had rotary phones in my house. Like yep. those are the the things that you have to like put your finger in and turn them. You know. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's the official description from the handbook. <laughs> Back then, I sound so old, but, like, we didn't have caller ID when I was a kid. No. I mean, remember Star 69 was, like, yeah, a, Star a gift from fucking God? Yeah. yeah $3 of Star... Star 69, but who who cares? I'm going to use it every fucking day. That's before I knew it was a sex position. Right, right. It was Star 69. That's what it was. Yep. There was nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was just so obvious to me, like, when I get those calls, like, the reason I won't pick them up is because I feel like once I do, I'm going to start the chain. And it's going to be, like, months of some crazy psycho stalker trying to murder me. Yeah, it's like the cell phone equivalent of the ring. Right. It's like, once you break the seal, you're in it. Yeah. And I know that that movie is going to end with me being dead and, like, a 95 Nine Inch Nails song playing over the credits. Fuck <laughs> that. No fucking way. <laughs> Uh. Number 10. Okay, I have another one that is maybe a, an odd entry for <laughs> some for some people, but I, I may have mentioned this on the show previously. We had an actual bar in my old house. Uh, it was from a restaurant that was literally delivered to my old house and installed. So it made it look like it was like a small watering hole from your main street, you know? Gotcha. So the shelving behind the bar was fully stocked with every kind of popular 70s era liquor you could think of. Right. So this included all major brands that were around back then and then they they hung around for such a long time because my parents weren't big drinkers so once in a while there'd be social gatherings and you know some people would take some of the stuff out once in a while i was home alone i'd hold the little personal taste test you know but that's between you and me right. <laughs> yeah. uh but uh i would say there had to be at least 70 bottles of alcohol occasionally i'd come across something that i hadn't noticed in my previous session of studying the bottles right so one time i saw like a bottle of scotch that had this dancing Scotsman. It was called Gilby's Royal Scotch. Ooh. And it had it was like a musical. You turn the knob and like a, a Scotsman started to dance. Really? Yeah, they, but this is stuff that like fascinated me as a kid. I mean, what is why are right. these toys? Why are there toys in this liquor box? Why, you know? why does this drink have a wind-up toy attached to it? Yeah. Why what are there, they doing when they get drunk? Why is there a dancing rowdy rowdy piper in there? <laughs> So, and then there'd be like a green slime liquid that tasted like mint. Oh, I was going to say the, yeah. the creme de mint. Creme de, creme de mint. Yeah. That was the bottle in our house that like managed to survive for like literally generations. Yes. It's like the bottle had to be from 1932 and it was still in the house. Nobody ever wanted it. No, like it's, it had a, you had to actually like blow the dust away to see what the label said. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And then of course there was a tequila bottle that had worms in it oh. and you know that always skeeved me out yeah you know? no, no but none none of that compared to what i used to see when i looked over into a special corner of the bar and there was a druid monk with a rope around his waist that looked like a possessed bottle of mrs butterworth's oh my god do, do you know what i'm talking about matt yes i do this is frangelico italian liqueur oh so freaky it looked it was, like uh, Mrs. Butterworth were a head cut off. Yeah. Uh, why, what, why? Why was there a monk-themed liquor? came out in the 80s, so it was like this uh, novelty bottle, you know? Right. I mean, describe the bottle, because I don't know if everyone has seen it. It seems a little local. Yeah. Like something so, uh, you know, gross Italian families like ours break <laughs> out. So, okay. So it was a bottle of hazelnut liqueur. It was this dark brownish black bottle that... So almost looked like a like a druid monk sort right. of. Right, it had like uh, the, had like a waistband that was actual rope. 
Yeah, and it really did look like if a, like a demon possessed uh, uh, Mrs. Butterworth's bottle. Right, and then it had like it literally had like its arms cut off. Right, it was yeah. weird. Or it was like they were like folded or something. But it was just so weird to look at. And when I realized it wasn't with the rest of the bottles, and they kept it up on a higher area of the corner of the bar it was like they were so proud of this bottle you know proud or scared yeah yeah yeah, like they were worshiping it yeah (laughs) but there was part of me that thought there was this black liquid in there that was meant to like poison me if i was bad really yeah because what else could be inside that bottle it wasn't juicy juice or anything like that. no no so you, you let like those those cartoons that have the castor oil yeah seize your imagination yeah exactly and um you know it took me a a while to eventually taste it to get up the nerve to taste it and i was surprised that it was clear it was pretty delicious because it's like 40 percent sugar but is it like Serono basically yeah it's like a hazelnut taste so it it, uh you could put it in your coffee you know but uh you might summon the devil if you drink it (laughs) yeah i still don't understand it like what kind of market research leads to a monk themed liquor (laughs) <laughs> of all things like i guess they figured yeah like uh older italian families wanted to celebrate god drunk yeah get in touch with their spiritual side or something i don't yeah. know <laughs> but like glass bottles of liquid in the shape of anything like a figural bottle that was so awesome you know right awesome and a little eerie because you're right like i mean i had a similar setup in our house mm-hmm. back in the 80s we didn't have a restaurant bar but we had like a real bar mm-hmm. with the shelf behind it with all the liquor and i would always approach them with like this weird feeling of oh my god like i can't walk a step closer yeah like the closer i get the worse things are gonna go for me <laughs> yeah you know it was like uh something indiana jones would have had right, to, like, it was like it was the holy grail thing <laughs> from indiana jones <laughs> but like i mean could you imagine if we get you know like a glass jug of that looked like slimer but it had ecto cooler in it oh it's coming like that is the type of thing that we need to have yeah well we so, could, we'll have to settle on dan Aykroyd's skull vodka for now that's another thing could you imagine we had that when we were kids it would have scared the shit out of me yeah and now it's so awesome it's like i don't care that this is like probably my 17th favorite vodka <laughs> it comes in a skull and it's connected to a ghostbuster yeah it could be water in there yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah so the frangelico italian liqueur if the listeners aren't familiar with it definitely google it and they'll get the the impression that it is uh an icon I recall in the 80s that this used to get an ad in, like, every one of my mother's magazines. Mm -hmm. And they would always have this, like, big monk looking like a drunk monk. (laughs) And it would be, like, so bizarre to me because I would kind of, like, not really know what a monk was. Yeah. So I always took him to be, like, an oversized Igor. Yeah. And it was almost like it wasn't Frangelico. It was Frankenstelico. (laughs) Yeah. Good call. Yep. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Number 11. No. Young Sherlock Holmes, directed by Barry Levinson. Rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, December 4th at a theater near you. Check your newspaper for show times. Okay, this one really messed me up. It's a very minor scene from 1985's Young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, 
I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you already you gotta know where I'm going. You you gotta. I know where you're going. Yeah. Now, just to get it out there, like I don't know why I know this movie. It's not a movie that I would have wanted to see or gone out of my way to see as a kid. It mm-hmm. must have just been on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. And I can remember nothing else about it, not one single thing, except for this one tiny scene. <laughs> and it's where young Watson has a hallucination about a refrigerator full of pastries. <laughs> oh my god! What the it, fuck was with that scene? It's batshit insane. Yeah, so for those who haven't seen it, and I pray for you if you have... All of the food, all of the pastries, they come alive and they grow arms and legs and mouths and eyes. And they're like little pastry people. Yeah. And in another movie, it might have been kind of cute. But in yeah. this movie, they're only there so they could squeak, tie the boy down and try to force themselves down his throat. Yeah. It was like he's being attacked by Candyland. It was just the worst. They're, they're so lovable looking until they all look like they're food fighters. Right. They look like food fighters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then they're trying to choke him. And like, you know, it was like a, a death by cupcake, like shoving it down his throat. Well, that's the thing. And like, they're actually like killing themselves by putting their, like they're jumping down they're his throat. They're sacrificing themselves. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, it's just so bizarre. It's the only thing I could think to compare it to is that scene in Puppet Master when mm. all of the dolls do their finishing moves on that one guy all in a row. Yeah. It's like tone-wise, it's an exact match. And this is a children's movie. And I never had seen this when I was a kid. I only saw like bits and pieces here and there. But uh, when you mentioned it, I watched that scene and oh my God, that had to be the scariest, creepiest part of that movie. Even to say that there's other creepy parts in that movie where there's gargoyles and there's knights that come alive. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's actually the hallucination is bookended by hallucinations for the other characters, yeah, which are much more traditionally scary. Mm-hmm. And, like, this one was sort of, like, the joke option, but it's way creepier. Yeah. Like, I was petrified of my refrigerator because of the scene. Probably why I became so addicted to red vines and goldfish. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, nothing scarier than, like, cannolis coming to life and trying to murder you. Oh, God. That's just, oh, yeah. It's just so nightmarish. And I, I don't know if you noticed, if you looked it up today on the YouTube video... Mm -hmm. Uh, the comments, a lot of people had uh, the same reaction as kids. Yeah. You know, that's one, it's one movie that I just, I knew it was, I think wasn't like Spielberg involved in this. I think he might've been a producer. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, Like like I said, I don't know anything about it except the scene. I don't know why I saw it, how I saw it. Yeah. It's like, it's it's just there in my brain, killing me still. Yeah, no, it, it leaves a, a mark. It definitely does. It, it lines up nicely with the rest of the choices we had tonight because that in the donkey scene in, in Pinocchio, it's like, oh my God, when you were a kid, you probably had to go through therapy for this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was like these things, like, I don't know where, why the rules were so different back then that <laughs> like what, what people would throw at kids like would never fly today without so many complaints. Like, I don't want to see people turn into donkeys. I don't want fucking to be attacked by uh, cream puffs. <laughs> and why, why are desserts like always named like evil things like devil dog, death by chocolate, you know? Well, this is the reason. Yeah, this is it. Because they come alive and they try to kill you. It, it, it's... <laughs> It's definitely a, a drug-induced scene, I would say. So terrible. Oh. Yeah. Number 12.
Matt, my last choice is something from Beetlejuice, a movie, yeah, a movie that is widely known as a comedy, but of course has a few scary scenes, but the scenes that are known as like freaky and scary, they aren't really even that scary. I would wager to say a lot of the stuff we talked about in the show tonight are scarier than Beetlejuice. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, I mean, it's, it's visually scary, but it's not physically scary, if you know what I mean. It's over the top to the point where you know you don't have to be worried you're not going to be like pulling the covers over your head because right. of this movie so except maybe the snake scene but yeah yeah <laughs> but uh there's one part of this film that is really unnerving to me and you know it, it rarely gets talked about for being really creepy uh, something that really just stood out in my mind since i was a kid and for most i think it was a forgettable little transitional scene okay you know but aside from the miss argentina aspect of the movie it might be the scene that had the most impact on me as a kid because it's just stuck with me since 88 and that is the scene where they're walking through that crazy hallway uh with the checkerboard floor and uh they they walk by this guy who's mopping the floors and this retractable shade pops up and they start to see these souls moving around outside and oh, like yeah. all these ghouls right. moaning and whatnot. Yeah, it was like Ursula's garden, only like live action. Yeah. So uh, they walk a little bit and this guy comes up from behind him and he says, that's the lost souls room. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like at the time... I'm like, wait, he just this dude just popped out of nowhere and he's got these black circles under his eyes. Yeah. It's like he's like, a room for ghosts that have been <laughs> exercised. <laughs> yeah. That's death for the dead. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God. It just everything he said just went through me, you know, and I got all cold. <laughs> well, the thing was, like, everything in that movie was so over the top, but he was kind of like an on the level sort of ghost. Yeah. It was a little more grounded in reality, and it was very, like, thriller-esque, like, kind of zombie guy. Yeah, I mean, you could easily say that he was intentionally made to be scary, but like I said, like, this movie is so over the top that most of the stuff in it you could laugh at. This was, like, bone-chilling to me. Right, right. (laughs) And the funny thing is that he's not even that bad of a guy. Yeah, he was a good dude. He was just trying to mop the floor. Right. You know? It's just that he like reminded us of having to go kiss grandpa, even though he's holding knives <laughs> and a stack of OTB tickets. <laughs> like, oh, I don't, don't want to go over there. No, 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 no. I like how calm he was, though, because they were standing like mere inches away from basically like a lower version of hell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just like a little shade separating them. Yeah. Well, he's been through it before. Yeah, so, I mean, he's just got this one little small role, this guy, and after that scene, and he has little four lines, he goes right back to mopping the erratic checkerboard floor, but, like, I want a whole movie about the Lost Souls Room guy, holy shit, like, what if, here's my scenario, you know, I'm always trying to postulate these things, so... Mm -hmm. What if we got a late night horror host show with this floor mopper? So I'm going to call it the Frightening Floor Moppers Morbid Midnight Movie Fest show. Oh, my God. You know, the best TV show titles are the ones that can't fit on the screen. A hundred percent in. Dead. It's a law of the handbook. Keep moving. 
We ran through everything tonight already. We did. I, I feel like we've it. only been talking for 10 minutes. Yeah. That was the fastest show ever. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to like look at the files and see that it's we've been here two and for and a half yeah, hours. two and a half hours. So, another Purple Stuff podcast, uh, and we're halfway to Halloween. I'm very excited about this. What did you think of our show tonight? I think it was spooky enough to, to fit the halfway to Halloween theme. Yeah, maybe it'll keep us afloat until we get to the Halloween extravaganza. Oh, God. You remember last year? That was I do. quite a time. That's when we started. We started in August in celebration of Halloween. It's a good time. Yeah. Get that feeling. But more pertinently, what is the creepiest of my list? Okay. All right. Give me a second. Okay. Whew. I'm going to have to pick self-control. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you like, I think you kind of undersold that weird villain sex hound. <laughs> like, that was a death monster. The thing about MTV for us back then is that we would watch MTV because we knew it was the cool thing to do. Yeah. But we weren't of age to really accept half the things that were going to be on the channel. Mm. So if I'm sitting there hoping to see like the latest Michael Jackson epic or whatever and self-control comes on, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost like, you know, I mentioned William Friedkin uh, directed it, but it was almost like a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah, it was, there was like, absolutely. I, it was like a nice wide shot. It was bizarre. Out of everything on your list, like even now when I watched this video, if it was dark in here and there was nobody around and I was in the right mood, I could see being a little like, oh, I don't want to move. I don't want to look behind me. There's something here. Yeah. Either that, I'll want to go like, you know, do heroin and get fucked. <laughs> Well, the thing about that video, you know, Laura Brannigan was, uh, she was quite a lucka back then. You know what I'm saying? I love Laura Brannigan. I yeah. love saying her name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think from your list, it's a no brainer for me. Oh yeah. Yeah. The emergency broadcast system. Oh. I mean, it's just, just saying it and imagining it breaking into my WPIX cartoons when I was a kid. Right. Not the frame of mind that I wanted to be in. I'm trying to have fun and watch the Looney Tunes and, and the fireworks after, you know, before the commercials. <laughs> yeah, <of course>. yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the EMS test comes on and I'm like, oh, oh I want to oh. jump out the window. Yeah, like there must have been some hidden messages deep within that little alarm. Like, yeah. your day is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... uh. It was definitely creepy. And it was more my own imagination, setting it all up in my head, thinking what could possibly be going wrong in, in this world. Yeah. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 26. Whew. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. And we will see you next time. The dark side is always there, waiting for us to enter, waiting to enter us. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight. Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.